Some companies, people listened and some companies, people didn't listen. And the ones that didn't listen, they didn't seem to really change or do anything well. And the ones that did listen to the people who were actually engaged in the work, they seemed to do better. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here with Heather Marchant. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. That's when you'll be hearing this, hopefully. It is a happy Monday for sure. <laughs> it's almost Christmas, which is great. And we have a special show today. We've been thinking about this show for almost two months. So mm -hmm. we little background story is Ron and I were conversing about small business. And I can't remember what the catalyst was, but we were talking about how most small businesses fail. And Ron shared some statistics with me. And I said, no way, like it's that bleak <laughs> that most of them don't make it. And he said, most of them don't make it to 10 years. And I stepped back for a minute and I said, wait a minute, didn't you start this company about 10 years ago? And you said, yeah, like it's soon, like November, I don't know. And I said, oh, I thought it was January. And so I had to look on the state's website to determine when our 10 year mark was for RP Capital. And it is Monday, December 13th, which we were both super pumped about and dreamed up some big stuff to sit and pause, I guess I should say, and think about what it's taken to get to 10 years as a business. There's, I'm sure, a lot of business owners listening, or maybe you work for a small business, and kind of taking a minute to think about it has been really cool for me. I don't know about you, Ron, but I've taken quite a bit of yeah. time planning and figuring out what we want to do to celebrate. And it's caused a lot of, yeah, a lot of thought, a lot of interesting introspection, I should say. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't been as involved in that part of it, but it has been fun as a team. We've been doing these Marco Polos where everybody doing this reminiscing, I guess, about all of the things that happened and, it's been a lot of fun. Everybody guessing what they thought has happened and things like that, especially the new people. Well, that's yeah. even more fun who have zero <laughs> idea what it was like back in the day. But yeah, it's been kind of cool to reflect on the fact that we actually did make it a decade and crazier than that, that I've been doing this for two decades and I don't even feel that old, but this company, after my partnership divorce, we've been up and running for 10 years, which doesn't even seem possible. Yeah, I think it's taken me back as well because I started working with you at the old brokerage and we've worked together 15 years. And I sat oh, in your office insane. and I know and took tasks like, hey, what can I do for you today? What do you need to get done? And so it's crazy to think how long we've known each other because I agree, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But then when you took a leap and started your own thing, I visited with you about it all those years ago. And I asked you about how you're feeling about it and nervousness or whatever, because it, it was a pretty big leap to go and start and do your own thing. And I remembered one takeaway from that conversation that I don't know if you remember. I said, how does your wife feel about it? Do you remember what you said? I don't remember exactly what I said, but. Well, I don't I remember can, exactly either, but the gist. I can speculate that <laughs> she was pushing me to do it. Yeah. Um, I think 
her and even my kids and mm. the rest of my family, yeah, they were all like cheerleading. Yeah, I which I, this. I think that makes a really big difference. You didn't have, mm. I have, you know, friends whose husbands are entrepreneurs and it's terrifying for them, right? They're like, oh man, don't start this like security and let's not do something crazy. And so I think having that support for you back in the day and everyone all in, in your corner is amazing. I don't know that that happens all the time. Yeah. And I think that is, I'm a very blessed guy to, yeah. um, to have that kind of support. I mean, that's, it's incredible. And it is only because of that. I think that it worked because it was scary for me. I think a lot of people think that it's not, it's no big deal, but it was a big deal. I think yeah. the other thing is most people don't realize that when we started this, nobody had any money. Like yeah. nobody had any money. It was me and two other people, Angela and Brandon. Mm -hmm. And Angela was working for free because like we didn't have any money. Like we couldn't pay her. And Brandon's working on the come too because he was only going to get paid if we sold anything. And we didn't have enough money to even do an event. Like, I mean, we, we were literally broke. We did our first event on Marriott points. I got the room <laughs> on Marriott points. And I love that. We convinced a guy to do the mailer and we split the profits with him on the first deal. You know, it's kind of like a creative real estate deal. We just did it to start a business instead. Yeah. yeah. That was actually kind of crazy. Did you have an office back at the very beginning or did you guys all work from home? Yeah, we put it on Brandon's credit card. Huh? I didn't even have a credit card because I didn't need one. There's no reason for me to have one. And then like all of my money vanished over. <laughs> yeah. All of my money vanished overnight. So uh, I kind of needed one at that point, but then you can't get one. So yeah, we had mm -hmm. a tiny little one room office we all were in and it was kind of crazy. So you made your first sale. I remember that I bought a property from you and I think you told me that I was the first customer. You were the first customer. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because at the time you didn't work at that company. Yeah. You were still at the other company. Which is funny. And we're still my first customer, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was so overwhelmed by life at that time with my babies being so young because I had twins that were still almost infants in my mind. But I was like, I can't even imagine trying to do anything right now. So I kind of was personal preservation, I think. <laughs> for well, and I, same thing on my end. I think that first sale allowed me to pay my mortgage one more month. It's amazing. We were all three so broke. Well, not so much Angela, but we were broke. And that one sale, it was so inexpensive, such a tiny amount of I money. Know. It was kind of insignificant, but it wasn't insignificant. It was huge. Yeah. Because we used some of that for other stuff that we were doing. You know, we had to have, we had to look legit. We needed logos and we needed all kinds of stuff. And we paid that with our first sale. So until we went to our event, that was the first and the only sale we made. So it was pretty critical. And I think it's really interesting because I think people listen to the podcast, talk with you, because you do have a ton of knowledge and experience. You own a lot of rental properties and it's all about perspective, right? Because as a small business owner, just 10 years ago, things looked very different financially yeah. for you, your family. I know you guys lived, you told me you lived off of food storage, like backup reserve food you had in your house. That, yeah, for but like I, when the electricity goes off and crap. 
Yeah. Not for when you have a partnership explosion <laughs> but or I, implosion, I guess. I think that's really an important piece, though, because you were frugal, right? You were really careful with the money. One thing I know a hurdle that a lot of business, small businesses have is financing. And you very rarely, in the whole time I've worked with you, had any kind of loan against the business. It's mostly been yeah. self-funded from business coming in and then you move forward and spend that like reinvest that money into the business which i think is really a difference maker for small businesses yeah i mean i do think there's place for financing i think there's place yeah. for equity and i think there's place for raising funds and things like that when we needed it there's no way we could get it i mean <laughs> there's yeah. nobody was going to give us any money we had no accounts receipt we had nothing right so we didn't really even have a company so we weren't going to get money then and by the time the money started rolling in, well, we were doing pretty well. So all we had to do was pay expenses and live a little bit frugally for a few months. I mean, yeah. our first year, we did a million in revenue. And so we did okay. And then we continued to increase every year. So yeah, we just never needed it. And I think we could have used some money to grow probably a little quicker, things like that. But I just didn't like it because it's overhead that I don't need to pay. Yeah. You know, if I don't need the money, I don't want to go get it. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's something that I've noticed that helps with security. I know when we hit this last pandemic, I don't know who you said, you spoke with someone who's in the know that said most businesses, even large businesses, can't make it more than three months. Like they don't have enough cash flow coming into the business to sustain the business. So a lot of those government money but when you and I talked, we sat down and made a game plan to make it six months to a year, just in case things were really messy. Yep. And I think that planning for your business and watching, one thing I've noticed in you too, is that you see a market shift or something different in the space, right? It doesn't even have to be real estate related, but as a small business, watching the industry, watching things pivot and making adjustments, you've been really effective at that and making sure that we're ahead of the game, I guess I should just say. I'm not sure the best way to articulate yeah, that. I but. think if, if we were going to spend money, it was certainly going to be about moving ahead of the game instead of... That's the other thing about not being levered out so bad. Like A lot of companies get levered out so bad and they've spent the money on things that don't allow them to pivot and actually kind of anchor them down. And then when it's time to pivot, there's no more money to pivot. And that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I've seen you do it because to me, it's a gift that you have with the creativity that I really, I mean, we work really well together because I use my other side of my brain a lot. But when I look at you and it's like foreign to me, the way you can be creative and pivot and stuff, but I've seen it with loans and lending. And when the industry changes, you're creative about it in order to get ahead. I've seen it obviously in 2008, you were really good at pivoting and we sold developed lots, land when people couldn't get financing for rental properties, just not being willing to say, oh, well, I'm a victim of circumstance or victim of the market. You've never had that mentality that I've ever observed. So. No, I mean, I truly believe, and when I say that you can make money in any real estate market, I truly believe that you absolutely can. You just have to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And then just shift, you just need to shift. And that's gonna happen again. I don't know when, but it's gonna happen again. And so you just have to be prepared to be able to make a shift. And yes, you're right. We've been somehow we've managed to make that happen the whole time. So 
It's true. But you also do, we're going to do probably a whole podcast on this, I think, but some year-end planning, you spend a lot of time reflecting and planning for the future. You watch trends and you want to make a plan. So I feel like one of the reasons small businesses fail is that business planning component. And I know early on, you brought in a consultant. I don't know how many years into the company you brought in a consultant, but you had a consultant come in to help you establish core values and a game plan of how to run the business more effectively. Had yeah. An impact. Yeah. yeah. And that was about four years in actually. And I wish I had done it sooner. And I think at about year, well, year two, I had a rude awakening with taxes. That was ugly. In year four, I had another rude awakening with just people. Just mm-hmm. that, you know, I had the, it felt like we had the right, not felt, it looked like on paper that we had the right people but it felt like we didn't. And the other thing too is, I think forward looking, one of the mistakes I think business owners make that I made for sure was asking a CPA questions about the future. And CPAs don't do that. CFOs do that. And I didn't even know the difference at the time. So understanding the right people to ask the questions when you get stuck is critical. And I think the real game changer for me was understanding that a that i needed help and b that it was okay to go out and actually get it that somehow it didn't make me less or my company less or anything like that to go out there and admit to other business owners that i don't know what the hell i'm doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i have a problem with people and i can't understand why like some people fit unbelievably well and other people on paper look great and the whole thing just didn't feel right. So when I heard that consultant, it was so clear afterwards why. And he came recommended by a bunch of other people who I had told the same thing, right? Like, I have this problem. And they're like, oh, you just need to call this guy. He'll help you out. And the more that I have networked with other business owners, the easier business has become. Hmm. Just understanding, shortening the learning curve because I can play off of other people's mistakes. Oh yeah, I've already been there. Just go do this and talk to this person and call these people over here. And I think a lot of business owners, because they're trying to, as my former partners, prime example of this, Heather, Yeah, they want to hold everything so close. They wouldn't tell anybody anything about their business and they didn't want to share it with anybody and they didn't want to be in groups because they were scared somebody was going to steal their baby. Mm-hmm. which is so short-sighted because, and when I first started, I was that way because that's kind of grew up learning that, right? Yep, yep. And I took a flyer joining a group, which completely altered my business and actually my personal and family life too, called Collective Genius. And I went there and I literally was floored that people were sharing openly the way they were sharing and that these business people all had the same problems that I did. And I was like, What? because being an entrepreneur is a lonely thing. It's Mm -hmm. not like you can just go and share everything with your team. You can't do that because the team needs to understand and believe that you know what you're doing and that you're the rock and that you're the leader and we're going this way and hard charging. But even leaders need, I mean, they need help. They need coaches. They need people to help them along the way too. And if you don't go out and find that, you're doomed. I truly believe that. If I hadn't found a place where a sounding board where I could go and tell people what was happening in my business and get help, I probably would have been a statistic. 
and we wouldn't be on a podcast talking about this right now. <laughs> You'd be off working somewhere else and I'd probably have a job doing something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I know that you've told me that the mastermind for other business owners was really helpful for you. But it makes sense though. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, you were out. I remember why. So it was a super busy week and you said, I'm just not going to have any time this week. And I was making decisions on my own. I don't know if you remember, I called you and I said, yeah, I think lonely is the way that it felt because I was just like making decisions, determining what was going to happen, who was going to do what without talking to you about it. And I didn't realize, I don't necessarily always need to hear what you want to say, but it's talking to somebody else about it. It's really yep. helpful. So yep. imagine an actual crisis that you're in yeah. and you've got nobody to talk to about it. Oh, and yeah, like, that's where cool. do you take that? Where you can actually yeah. get some help. You literally can't take something like that to your team. They're not even going to understand what you're talking about because it's a unique thing to be a business owner and not necessarily unique in a way that it's better than anybody else. It's just unique. Different. There's yeah. a unique weight that comes with it and you got to, the only people that really truly understand it are people who have felt the same weight. There isn't any other way. So, yeah. That is really interesting. I think that's also kind of establishing some ways and things you've done to be able to make it to 10 years. And I would say for sure, that's probably got to be one of the top five is having that mastermind sounding board coming back. I would almost read those when you would come back because you would have so many ideas of things that we could do to be better. And I am by nature a doer. And so it was like, all right, get on my to-do list. Like, here we go. Got to integrate all of these ideas. And so I think that one thing I've seen you do is you've surrounded yourself with people from day one that have the skills that you maybe it's not necessarily that you don't have, but that you have done a great job of maximizing your superpowers is what we call it, right? And having other people around you with the superpowers that maybe you don't have or don't have time to utilize, right? So yeah, I like to call it maximizing everybody's superpowers. Yeah. Because every single person on our team has their own unique superpower. Yeah. And we get them in the right seat where their superpower can shine. Not only is it good for the team, it's good for the individual and it's good for growth for them and for the company. Yeah, I agree. Marketing has been one thing that you've found a, a way to be really successful without spending a huge amount of money. I mean, still a good amount of the budget goes toward marketing, but what do you think you've done differently than maybe other small businesses that has helped you on the marketing side to make it 10 years? Well, I guess I got to cheat a little bit because I had already crafted a message that I knew worked. Hmm. So when I started this company, I already knew that the message worked. I already knew True. that there was a need. It was just about delivering it in a way that we could get to more people. And that's one of the reasons why I had such a problem in the other company is that I had no life. I was literally on the road all the time. And the other thing too, to your point, we spent a ton of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not inexpensive to put on an event. Exactly. We were spending... Twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a mailer, and then I don't know, probably ten, fifteen thousand dollars in travel expenses, in venue expenses, food, and everything that went along with that. It's like a traveling circus, and you have to book those so far out in advance so that you have them on the schedule. And we were doing them almost weekly, three weeks a month. We were doing those, so yeah, it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars easily, yeah. and then you have to book those. 
three months out so that you can get your mailers lined up and everything else. So you're three quarters of a million dollars into marketing. And most of the companies that do that sell a product at the event that they can run a credit card. And we didn't, we sold real estate. <laughs> you sell real estate, you don't get paid for like 60 days yeah. if you're lucky. And that's if it's not new construction, which sometimes is out four to six months. So yeah. you get this massive <laughs> runway of expense before you get anything back. And I'm not the quickest study in the world, but I know that a dollar today is different than a dollar in six months. Yeah. And I, I kept thinking to myself, we got to be able to shorten this down. Like we, we have to spend less money and we have to shorten the cycle somehow. Mm -hmm. And my idea was to take it online, which I was told emphatically would not work. It's not going to be the same as when it's live, which is true. That's true. It's not the same as when it's live, but it doesn't have to be because we can reach so many more people for so much less money that it doesn't make any difference. Exactly. And we're yep. still able to help more people spending far less money, which shortens, again, it just shortens all that cycle down. So, And um, family actually, time is better. Yeah. And I don't have to travel. I travel to go make the company better. I don't travel to get business anymore. Yeah. I travel to go learn skills that makes the company better. And that's been a difference maker for sure. Yeah. I know you've told me lots of stories about not being there, kids' birthdays, things like that. Mm -hmm. It was really hard and probably still is to some degree, just in a different way that yep. it was time missed with your family. So there definitely was a degree of hustle. But one thing I have learned from you is that the hustle is not always the best way, <laughs> just hustle. Okay, another thing I want to highlight is your mind shift when you went to the Life and Air group and you moved and left the headquarters here in Salt Lake and you took you and your family across the whole United States. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Not shell, I guess. It's I mean, hard it's to condense. <laughs> I learned something that was really important that most business owners, I think, also don't get. And I think it comes from that hustle thing. So I guess starting at hustle, there's nothing wrong with hustle, right? There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with, as a matter of fact, you have to do that when you start a business. I mean, it's, yeah. it's impossible to start a business and not work. It's just not possible to do that. But it's a season. Mm -hmm. It's not a badge of honor that you wear, which... Man, too many, way too many business owners wear this badge mm -hmm. it's that I outwork everybody all the time, 24-7, mm -hmm. 365, go, go, go. And I did that for seven years. Eight, if you count the first year we started up, because I kind of had to do it all over again. But I did that for seven years. And at the end of seven years, I had nothing to show for it financially. I had nothing yeah. to show for it. Yeah. And I just decided I wasn't going to do that again. And, and when I heard about two years later, when I heard this whole life and air concept, which means you plan your life and then make your business conform to your life. That clicked so hard for me because I was like, man, if you can actually do that, why would anyone not do that? Mm -hmm. And it is a little bit easier said than done, but it can be done. I've seen it happen countless times. And it all starts with the same thing that a business starts with. It starts with a plan. So plan your personal life, plan your family life, plan your spiritual life, plan the things that are important. And then put your business, wrap your business around that. And we've had Sean on the podcast talking about that. It was a shift for me. And because I did all of that stuff, when we needed to move, we were able to move. 
Yeah. And it was a huge deal. It was a really good move for my family. And I'm grateful that I had so many people leading up to that who kind of set the stage for me to have the ability to do that. It was because I listened to people that I was able to do that. And because I had an unbelievable team, I felt comfortable leaving, which I mean, I think a lot of people would think is absolutely insane. This is pre-COVID, right? This is four mm. years ago. I left when no one would suggest that that was a good thing yeah. to just leave your team and go across the country. But I felt really confident that everybody there knew what they were doing and were fully capable. And that has also proven to be true. We just mm -hmm. have an incredible team. And because of that, I feel we're all able to do that. We're all able to unplug when we need to and re-engage. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that was a great summary. I think that takeaway for me when I told Ron, well, I told you, sorry, that I wanted to do this podcast, I thought, man, so what's been the difference maker, right? What has set us aside? You've changed up marketing over the years. You started as Wealth Accelerator System, right? That was your first business. Investment property coach, actually. Oh, it was investment property coach then first. We, oh. then we changed to Wealth Accelerator System because the coach thing was confusing people. Of course, it's confusing. We weren't, <laughs> we weren't coaches. <laughs> I don't know why the hell I came up with that, with that name. And then Wealth Accelerator System, which was confusing too because it's a system. That's not a company. Yeah. So, I mean, we made several mistakes like that. And so what's the difference maker? I mean, people, we just have phenomenal people. I and agree. I've met phenomenal people. They don't work on our team, but very, very good people who can help. So on both sides, both on the team side, and I think because of the incredible people on our team, Heather, we have attracted some of the best clients and they've stayed loyal and continued to buy. Yeah. And all of that combined, it's all people. Yeah. That's it has true. nothing really to do with marketing spend. It doesn't have anything to do with, I mean, all that stuff we pivoted around and shifted all over the place and we changed our name three or four times. And <laughs> I think we finally got one that's pretty decent, but yeah. you know, who knows? I mean, who knows if it's any good, but <laughs> in spite of all of that, we have really, really good people. And that's the difference maker. Yeah. I think working for you, a couple of things that I've felt like been a different speaker in you attracting good people have been, you're confident. You're a very confident person. In fact, that's one of the first things I noticed about you, but you're also not afraid to be yourself and to say you don't know something, right? Like, what do you think? That has been a question in our meetings from very early stages it's someone that's brand new in the company. It's, well, what do you think? You're sitting in that seat. You have a different perspective. Like, I think that that is something that sets you apart. Even though you're confident in what you're doing, you're also not afraid to say you don't know something, which I think is, it endears people to you because as a staff and as a team, no one here feels like they work for like a drill sergeant, right? Like a business owner that's just like, get your stuff done. Never is that way, even though we all know to get our stuff done. I don't know how to explain that and be articulate about it, but I think that it's been a difference maker as a team, for sure. That you're not this heavy. Yeah, I don't really know either. I know <laughs> that I, I mean, I wish I, I've had people ask me like, why, how did you get this incredible team? And I'm just like, well, I, you know, I don't know. I just met really good people and for whatever reason, they decided to stay and build this cool company with me. But yeah, I know I don't know everything. I learned that pretty early on. 
and I'm good at certain things and I'm not good at other things. And I've also learned too, I think because when I was in sales and when I was in other positions, I had really good ideas and in some companies, people listened and some companies, people didn't listen. And the ones that didn't listen, they didn't seem to really change or do anything well. And the ones that did listen mm. to the people who were actually engaged in the work, they seem to do better, especially as you grow, like you become disconnected from the functions that are happening on a day-to-day -day basis because there's other people maybe two or three levels deep doing those things. And if you don't mm -hmm. listen to the people who are having problems down there and they're bringing the problems, because I, th I, think, I think that's another thing is that we've bred a, a community where we want to bring the problems as yes. you know, faster the better, bring them up mm -hmm. the food chain so that we can solve them. And if people are bringing you problems and you just like keep batting them back down and not listening to anything or trying to create, I do remember like, one time we made a change at the executive level. We made a change. It was like two days later, man. It was like pandemonium in the company. Like for a minute, I couldn't understand what was happening. It didn't seem like it was that significant. I don't even remember what it was, but like it affected the chain reaction effect of what we changed made people's lives miserable. And I was like, I was immediately, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, well, let's just undo that. That was stupid. And then we kind of brought everybody, we kind of brought everybody up. We're like, okay, well, what should we have done? Because this is what we're trying to fix. Like, how should we have done it? And they're like, yeah, because you didn't think about how that affected this over here. And that didn't, how that affected this piece over mm -hmm. here. And the cool thing is, is that we had a culture where those people could say, hey, this sucks. And not only does it suck here, but this is causing a chain reaction suckage all yeah. the way through the company. And I think a lot of companies, they don't even get the feedback. People just are pissed and then they quit. Yeah, that's and so true. We don't want anybody to quit. We want everybody to be crazy happy and enjoy what they do. And we don't mm -hmm. want to make decisions at an executive level that make everybody's life hell. We want the exact opposite. And so a lot of times it's best to just invite them into and hear what is it that's their problems? And what is it about what you're trying to fix? Is, what kind of effect is it going to have on them? And then weigh those out yeah, before for you sure. make some kind of a change. Oh, that is so significant than most other companies. I don't think, I mean, they don't do that. Or you're afraid to bring up a problem, right? Because maybe they're going to think you're the problem or whatever. So I think, man, so many takeaways from this today for me. But things that I've seen and foundational things, but also lots of small things that have made a really big impact. But today, when this podcast release, it will be the 10-year anniversary of RP Capital as a company, so cool. which is so fun. We are all getting together. Ron's flying out to this frozen tundra, which oh, is his favorite. <laughs> only because I love you guys. It's the only reason. <laughs> but we're taking a moment to pause, to celebrate and to reflect and to obviously project forward what we want to do. I mean, the next 10 years and what that's going to look like. And it's really exciting, but also really powerful to sit and think of the foundational things that have got you to this point. So I'm glad you let me pick your brain on this today and you were able to book about it because I think yeah, that's really- It was fun. And it's been so. a fun 10 years, kind of crazy. It's been a crazy 10 years, but it's been a lot of fun. Mine and uh, yeah, here's to the next 10 as we continue to grow this thing and pivot and shift and have fun creating new 
ways that we can serve our clients and all that good stuff. It's a lot of fun. So those of you out there thinking about starting a business, I encourage you to do it. It's hard work. It's crazy demanding. And sometimes you'll wonder what in the hell you were thinking, but <laughs> overall it's really fun. And I think that the master class that's interesting that in January, just a few weeks after our 10 year anniversary, we're hosting a master class for clients wanting to take it to the next level, kind of your advanced course. I thought that was interesting how that timing worked out that we've been planning how to take it to the next level at this stage. We've never really, we've never done a class like this before. It's always been a foundational class. And so interestingly enough, they're not related to each other at all, but I think that forward projection for 2022 for you individually, join our masterclass. If you're in that position to move on from beginner real estate investment and be able to take your game to the next level too. So please join us. Yeah, Looking forward to seeing you all there. And thank you for being a part of our 10 years. You guys are all awesome. Everybody that That's listens. Right. Yeah. Keep the show ideas coming. We want to keep doing this too. This has been a lot of fun for us as well. So that's right. As always, till next week, everybody get out there and make something happy. Merry Christmas too. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Thanks guys. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.